Hi everyone, today's show is brought to you by Nothing Can Stop Me Now, More Stories by Nine Inch Nails, now on Kickstarter. Today's the last day for the Kickstarter, so make sure to go to kickstarter.com, search Nothing Can Stop Me Now, and pull up the page, check out the great reward tiers that's got stories by C.W. Cook, Eric Esquivel, Raven Gregory, it's got artwork by Christopher Mitten, a cover by Ben Templesmith, uh, a lot of great artists on the, are in the book, a lot of great writers are in the book. And uh, today's the final day on Kickstarter. It's a great project. You should check it out. This episode you're about to hear was recorded live at Heroes Con 2018 in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had very special guest Declan Shalvey with us. And we talked a little bit about his career, a little bit about uh, comics in general, and a lot about art cred and, and uh, how, why it's important to credit artists in today's uh, in today's uh, world of social media and announcements of projects and uh, pushing projects, it's important that everyone on the team gets the same equal treatment. So uh, please enjoy the show and thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Garleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. Today, I'm also here. <laughs> uh, Declan Shalvey. Shalvey. Yeah. I was I was going to be right. Yeah, you were. You were. I was going to be right. But I was still I robbed that of you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to happen a lot over the next hour. <laughs> Not you being right. Just <laughs> yeah. Just stealing. Talk, people talking over you. I need to talk into this. Yeah. It's going to sound weird. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Get up in it. There we go. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Shalvey. I, I, it gets mangled. A lot, but what else do you get? Uh, Shavely, uh, Shally, Shelby, uh, and Shavely, you know, which is you know, there's an extra E in there, and um, Shalvey, which is the right one. It, it sounds very fancy, although I've been called Declain as well, so uh, I can feel if I went by Declain Shalvey, I have a very different, more uh, pretentious career, even more pretentious than it already is. <laughs> Well, we'll go with that. Nice. We both are... It's dry. Is it? It's a dry cider, so oh. it's pretty... Thanks a bunch. No, it's oh, good. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Oh, you got me cider. I don't, I don't cider. Right, it's fine. Okay, so... Uh, Can't believe you got me yeah. <laughs> So we normally uh, talk about... We normally talk about what we're, what we're drinking. Um, so if we were drinking during this show, uh, I would be drinking a uh, Monday Night Brewing... Han Brolo Pale Ale um, from Atlanta, Georgia. 
uh, gifted to us by a fine individual, fine young man. Um, so that's what I'm having. But he was over 21. Yeah. Naturally, not that young. No. Okay, good, good. Not an infant, not a toddler. Yeah. Well, back in Ireland, it's it, uh, for 18, they're allowed to drink like so. Oh, yeah. If a lot of like American people visiting who are like a 19 and they realize they can drink like, woo! Um, but yeah, I am drinking a, um, or possibly drinking a uh, Queen City Common from Red Clay Cider Works. And it's a semi dry cider. It tastes very dry. Uh, and there's a whole situation here about where it comes from. I assume we can spare you that. Uh, but yeah, and it's gluten, it's naturally gluten free. Is it all cider? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Let's Google it. Yeah, let's get that. I mean, that is why we're here. <laughs> Scott, are you still, if you were drinking, you're still drinking the same thing? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, what was it? On Rolo? On Rolo. I just got the name. Yeah, and on the side of the pants, it's yeah. one of the descriptions is chewy. There's little lights savers all over. Yeah. Right. I don't get it. <laughs> totally. Are there? Oh yeah, there are light savers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, four point seven percent. So oh. it's like water. Hydrating. So I have no excuse for not getting it. Right. I would. If I may say, I, I listen to uh, your podcast, Down the Ocean, and I like I like your defeatist attitude to the whole endeavor. You know, we're going to do this podcast. We'll put all this work into it, and we're doing it. We'll be like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> That's the tone I get. Like, <laughs> well, for people who weren't there, that was the framework. None of you were the only two there. Uh, this Scott, I don't think had anything to eat that morning. No, and yeah, I was like in whiskey mode. Yeah, yeah, working like, I was sleeping like three hours a night, and I didn't eat breakfast, and I came in, and Dan wanted rye whiskey for the show. Oh, okay. Then you went to bed. 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Everything shut down. I had a big handprint on the side of my face. <laughs> Just did that for 40 minutes. So which one, because like, uh, which one of you guys was the one who gave him a crit? Uh, he had a story that he got a crit from one of you guys? Or that you oh, said, I, was oh like, I don't know. I vaguely remember that, but I don't really remember. No, I, I sympathize with it because I, I'm quite honest with like stuff that I like or I don't like. Right. And, you know, I never thought anybody would care. And now... I find my place, I find myself in situations like, crap, he knows I said that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I just kind of said, like, I think I was just taken aback at how good he is now compared to when I was reading. How crap he was before. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Like, he's, he's evolved so much. Like, right. Yeah, big time. But he was also probably like 15 when he was drawing those first books. Yeah. This is the Dan Pinojan episode. Yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> I guess one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is the whole, like, uh, the art cred movement or whatever. So you just kind of oh, mentioned, man. you know, that, that you, you're not shy to talk about art or whatever, but you're also not shy to, I guess, I don't know what's, what's the right word or right phrase. Like you, you'll call out people publicly or, you know, website or I guess, like, yeah. quote-unquote news sites and stuff like that. Um, and then I read your, uh, earlier today, I read your essay that you wrote for Image Plus. Yeah. Went a little more in depth than that, but uh, was there like one specific thing that kind of set you off on that? Or um, yeah, it was um, a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Mooney. Uh, he was drawing. I mean, little things have bugged me the other time, but I noticed um, Stephen Mooney was he was doing Midnighter, I think it was at DC Comics, and there was a piece on CBR about it. And if I recall, not only was he not mentioned, but his artwork was used to illustrate the piece. 
and there was no credit for your Druid. I think I saw something then a couple of days later on Bleeding Cool, something similar. There was art used to advertise the story, but no mention of the person who was drawing it. And it just started bugging me and bugging me more. And there was this artist who's in the UK called um, Sarah Ma I think it's McIntyre. I'm blanking her second name right now for some reason, but uh, she has this thing called Pictures Means Business. She's a children's book illustrator. And she was pointing out how um, uh, marketing always favours the writer over the, whoever's drawing the book. And when that happens, you'll end up with an awful lot of illustrators who have no more work because no one calls them afterwards. No one, they're, not, they're not on the cover. They don't get, they don't get mentioned in metadata. And once I started looking more at comics, I saw just how much... Well, you know, like how many guys do you know that have been doing this for years and years and don't have a, a bibliography of their own, but writers do? You know, uh, like even if you look at your career, you've probably done an arc here, a thing there, but no one considers it like your run on Green Arrow or whatever it is. Right. So it's always, it's always simplified down to who the the writer was, which which naturally happens because especially with things like double shipping, the one person who does all of it is the writer. So you're going to just say, oh well, it was uh, Bendis as X Men, but you know, Stuart Immonen probably did sixteen issues that year. Uh, but they're still called, you know, but they're not calling it Immens, X-Men. And that, that stuff really bugs me because, like, these guys are amazing artists who just don't get to, they don't get to build their body of work the same way the writers do. And I think that, that hurts over time. And especially when you can only do one thing. You know, if I'm a writer and I get to do this thing at DC and this thing at Marvel and this thing at Image, I can build my name up in, like, two years. An artist in two years, that's, what, two, three arcs, you know? Um, so just seeing how unfair things were, and, and, and not, and again, it's not a, a problem with writers or anything. It's just um, it was how readers looked at them. It was how marketing pushed them, um, and I just thought it was uh, my language nonsense. And um, I, I, I basically started the, ha the hashtag. Not, not to. I wasn't trying to call anybody out. I was just trying to, for me, catalog it. And once I started seeing it, and then I would retweet it with that, I realized I was doing it about three times a day. And it could have been, it could have been a Hollywood announcement about, like Ed Brubaker's whatever, and not mention John Phillips, right. or it could be, uh, you know, DC Comics as a new uh, writer on Batman, but not mention who was drawing it. And it's like, like I just once, once the, the the blinds were lifted, I was like, this happens all the time, and I mean, no wonder we end up in the position that we're in, you know. Yeah, the uh, the. Years ago, the first book I ever did got optioned, and when we were doing the contract, the writer and the publisher were going to get, if the movie had been made, they would have got uh, executive producer credits, but not me. Yeah, the guy who tried to like co-own the book. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't budge on that. They're like, no, we're only going to put two names on there, and it's publisher's names on there. And then the What the hell is the publisher's name doing on that? That's <laughs> not, that's... <laughs> right. And it wasn't the publisher saying that, it was the, you know, the, yeah, the, the yeah, lawyers, yeah. the agency or whatever, but yeah, yeah I remember. Well, you know, say, so Mark Miller gets a film made, you know, good on him, fair play, uh, of Kingsman, but nobody's talking about Dave Gibbons, who drew the book, who also drew Watchmen, mm -hmm. who has, who was written and drawn so much of his own stuff, you know, that's what I mean, it's, no one's, uh, but in Hollywood they're going to look to the writer to be the idea guy, they don't, I guess the whole, the whole point is that, is that I think the artists should be credited as co-creators. As co I'm not saying they should get more credit than writers. And it's one thing that drives me mad is whenever I talk about this stuff, it's like, oh, the writers, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not, it's not a versus conversation. It's, we should both be considered co-authors. 
was my point, and that seems to rub some people the wrong way. Um, and I mean, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm in a nice position where I am, so I can I can say that stuff, and no one's gonna. It doesn't really hurt me, and it actually hasn't really even happened to me. So it's not like it's not like I have a chip about it because it happened to me. It's just seeing it happen to friends of mine, and see how hard it is to build a career. You can work for a year on something, and then it just be considered nothing. You know. Right. So I've bummed you guys out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna let Scott ask questions so he doesn't fall asleep. No, I I found it interesting that you. Bad about using the word nonsense? <laughs> no, nonsense was the euphemism. He censored himself to say nonsense. Yes, I was going to swear, but I held oh. back. Okay. Mm. Thank you. I got you. <laughs> All right, I have no further questions. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was the issue? <laughs> I have a question really quick. Please. What was the hashtag uh, that you would. Uh, Archcred. Archcred? Yeah. I mean, it took, it took off there for a while, but I'll be honest, I've kind of reined back on it a bit because I really hate how everyone jumps on Twitter with a hashtag and makes everything some kind of campaign. Like, I don't like, like, activism and, you know, journalists acting like activists and stuff like that, just I hate it. So I just don't want to, you know, I know I was kind of doing it, but I mean, like I said, it was more to catalogue these things happening and just show examples. and. You know, I, I, I think I remember people from CBR would reach out to me going like, hey, you know, you can always reach out to me privately. But I'm like, it's not my effing job to, to tell you what you should be doing, what you should be doing. Like, you know, and I can't, I can't be trawling every comic book news. And that's the worst thing is if it happens with like the Hollywood Reporter or something, okay, that's not our thing. But like, it's comics. If it's a comics news site, they should know. You know, they should know this stuff or they should look up who did the cover. Or, you know, if there's Google, it's... It's rudimentary stuff, um, and I will say I try to now and then get onto people privately because I, you know, I don't I don't like the I don't like how people get publicly shamed, you know. Um, but it's also very hard to illustrate the point when you know I could just say it I could just say it on Twitter and if there's no proof then it sounds like I'm just talking out of my, my arse. But um, uh, arse isn't a swear word. Just But. Uh, so yeah, I'm in a weird place where like I, I hate how everything is politicized and everyone's kind of like harping on about something online. So I've, I've you know, tried to use my battles a bit more, you know. Also, I kind of hope that other people would... I think, and a lot, actually, in fairness, a lot of comics, journalists and stuff did start paying more attention and, uh, and would get out to me asking me stuff, you know. Yeah, so we've... Uh, Scott and I have talked in the past about... I think it's... I mean, I don't want to, it's not a conspiracy, but I, I do think there is something to the publishers not wanting to build up artists at the same, the same way they build up writers. Yeah. And I don't know if they're still butthurt over image or what the deal is, but it seems like they go out of their way, especially like you were talking about double shipping. Yeah. That hurts an artist because they can't, like Justice League just dropped. I was super pumped about uh, Jim Chung's artwork in there. Yeah, he's and I, like, I like Corey Jimenez as well, but... Yeah. I don't want a different artist every two weeks on, yeah, a, on a, too. a book that ships every two weeks. Yeah, no matter how good they are, I'm like, because to me, it's, to me, the, and it's another reason, like, you know, why artists and what's so important is, you might like a writer, but the art is so much of the identity of the book. And if the identity radically changes straight away every time, uh, it just makes me not. I, I think there's some books that they change the artist, and I'm, I bought two, and then I just, I just stop. But if it's the same artist, I keep coming back every time, like, you know. Um, but I think, 
But do you think do you think there is something to that? I think there is something to it. I don't. I mean, I'm not. It probably. I'm. I don't know the companies like that. I don't know what their policy is. I would say I think it's been it's been a bad idea because by building. So if they're worried about artists leaving, and they've just done that with writers. Like if you notice how hard it is for companies to have big writers in their books now, because they all do image stuff and they, they own their, their properties. So you're never going to get Brian K. Vaughan writing for Marvel or DC again. Right. It's just never going to happen. Why would it? Um, so I think they've, they've just done the opposite uh, and, and boned themselves over all right. over again, you know? Um, like, uh, and I love Marvel, like, so I like criticism of Marvel, but I think, I think they're doing a great job now of building up their new patch of writers. But the reason they have to do that is because they lost all the bigger ones. And they have a slate of artists who are really, 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 really good, but they didn't build them up in the same way. So yeah, Axel Alonso had this comment about how um, artists don't move the needle or something. Right. But I'm like, from my point of view, was, that was because companies were actively under, undercutting right. artists or what they were worth. You know, if you sort of, if you've built up names like artist names, then you would find it a lot easier to build up your new writers. And if you have new writer, if you have big writers, it's a lot easier to build up artists. I, like my argument is, you can do both. You know, and if you push, if you push the artist on a book as well as the writer, whatever the artist is doing next. So let's just say you're drawing Green Lantern, and it goes really well, and you're doing with say Jeff Johns. Everyone loves Jeff Johns. Yay! And like so, you know, let's say. I know, Wes Craig, but just pull the name out of my head. Let's say he's doing Green Lantern, everyone loves it, brilliant. Uh, then you can use that to push whatever he's doing next, like say he's doing Superman next, and everyone will remember the great art that he did. Like, But what, what generally happens is they would just would have pushed Jeff Johns and then put him, because he's gonna do three more books because he's a writer. Uh, I, think, I, think it, I think it's short-term rewards and, and long-term uh, uh, doesn't work. Right. I mean, I, I even go, the more on that, I think it's also a way to keep page rates down on artists. You don't create superstar artists. You don't have to, I mean, page rates are probably the same or worse than they were 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it, you know, it's not like it keeps up with inflation or whatever. So, I mean, it, 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 it says these companies' best interest for their bottom line not to have superstar artists just because they demand a higher page rate. I mean, most, most of the time, I'm sure. I mean, no, the there's probably an element of truth to that, but they also do need big name artists to push their books, you know, and all their main guys like Koipel's gone to Image and Chung's now at DC. Like, if you name their biggest guys that Marvel had in the last few years, they're all moving on, you know. Um, uh, it, it, like, DC tend to pay more money, so that all, that all, that's always a thing, too. Right. Um, so I don't, I, don't think, I don't think there's a policy of, like, hardcore, let's not do this. Because I. I, cause I, I I don't think they're that deliberately malicious, honestly. You know, I'm not much of a conspiracy nut. I don't think they're deliberately trying to undercut artists, but I think uh, it's certainly become ingrained to have. So if you have a guy writing Fantastic Four this year, he could be doing your event next year. It's, it, takes, it, takes, it takes longer, uh, it takes more time and energy to invest in artists than it does writers, I think. Um, because I can pitch you an idea as, as a writer, and, and I can write that thing in a few weeks, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, whatever. But if the artist is, I mean, that's probably good a year. It's going to take them a year to draw that. Right. It's, 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 it's more difficult to do, but I would argue because it's difficult, you should really be doing it now. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I, I, think, I, think, I think that kind of conspiracy theory would, would just shoot them. 
uh, I think it would just shoot them off the knees too often. I think there'd be more problems if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I'm talking about. It's just, I'm, it's just, <laughs> hey, it's just something I thought about. Yeah. No, no, I, I think I, 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 I can see. I mean, I mean, it's been what? When, when did the image start? Thirty years, twenty-five years ago. Ninety-three, ninety-two. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, if that was the deliberate plan, they would be doing it right away. But things have changed too much. And in a group, in a, like I think, what the great thing is that images empowered artists now to know what they're really worth. You know, I only knew what I was worth when I had a page rate. Now that injections sells a certain amount, I can literally see how much the book makes. I'm like, oh, I'm actually maybe I'm worth more than that. Right. You know? um, I was talking about a, a raise of the company and they offered me about a, month, a, a, a certain page rate and I was like, I make more on a book that I own. Like, why would I take less money for something I don't own? You know? right. But I wouldn't know that had I not done something at Image. You know? This is fantastic. I'm so happy that we sound like a real show. <laughs> it took 81 episodes. There's, there's substance now. Couldn't be happier. You're, you're, you're making a face earlier. Did you? Oh, this is, I made a terrible choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> this okay, is the first. What's, what is it? Uh, I mean, I could, I could tell yeah, by the name. This is a local beer, folks. I'm sorry. This is Lenny Boy Tropicalis. Anybody? No, it's terrible. <laughs> what kind of? They make kombucha too. So. Uh, it's a white India pale ale. Yeah, citrus, banana, and tropical. Should have got, got, got the kombucha. Get shotgun Betty next time you want banana. Yeah. Got four of Shotgun Betty. Can't go wrong. It's shotgun Betty? Yeah. It's got a little cowgirl on it with a shotgun, double barrel. Okay. That's the this is a beer, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> banana clove. It's actually good. Okay. That, you're right. That does sound terrible. It's, that's suntan lotion. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right, so this, uh, my second one is... Uh, is there a second one? Not for you, I bought you a four-pack. Oh, sweet. There's beer, though. <laughs> no, but there's, yeah, it's a more of this thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, great. I was pacing myself. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. no more of that. Um, so, and another thing about the companies. No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a uh, Ponysaurus from uh, Durham, and this is a Scottish Ale, 7.2%. Pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah. Do you want... I have another one. Maybe later. All right. Yeah, you need to... Oh, it looks good, though. Look at that. Yeah. Yes, podcast listeners. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I think before you got here a minute ago, I was talking about how I couldn't buy uh, whiskey this morning. Because you have to go to a liquor, state liquor store. Oh, okay. Uh, other, that's what we should be drinking. Um, I have some whiskey. That's cool. <laughs> rub it in. Yeah. We just said that we didn't have any. God, read the room. Um, <laughs> why cider? I would have, that would have been the last. And also, I can tell you don't like that cider. I'm sorry. About it's, it. fine. Oh it's fine. It's uh, fine. <laughs> no, it's better. Than, um, when I was 16 years old, my mother took me to the local pub in the village we lived in. And she sat me down and she said, you're having one of everything. So I had a Guinness. At a Budweiser, at a Carlsberg, at a Heineken. It was all awful. And then there was, uh, you call it uh, Magners over here, it's Bulmers back home. Um, and I had that cider, and I was like, that's eh, all right. And it's like, Grant, that's what you're drinking. So I just did what my mother told me, really. 
because I mean, I never, I mean, I can drink beer, I just don't like it. Um, but uh, cider, I mean, there's different types, it's become more popular. I, I came to America, uh, well, I was here at Heroes um, eight, nine years ago, and uh, like it was really hard to get cider, just couldn't do it. Like, but it's become more popular over here. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of microbreweries and stuff in Arizona, but there's a lot of cider stuff popping up lately. Uh, I just never. It, well, it's it's um it's considered a, uh, uh, how do you say it? it's considered a knacker drink back home, which is um uh basically scumbags. Like um uh, so scotch would be drinking cider, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, we would think so. Yeah, with that, with that expression, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, because a lot of what happens was you'd have a lot of a. Kids drinking cider like in the train tracks, like outside of town. But that's why my mom took me to the pub because she's like, I want, I want you to start drinking right here in the pub where I can see you, rather than going off and get up to some kind of like that. You know, it's a good parenting lesson. Yeah, it was. I got pretty drunk though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. She also told me if I ever got a girl pregnant, she'd kill me. So, you know, she had all the parenting lessons down yeah. past. Yeah. I mean, like ever. Well, that's where that's what I. Yeah. I mean, I'm 36 now, so I I just assumed that's what she meant. Right. <laughs> like never. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. That after the uh, the art cred talk, you're also a writer. Eh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah uh, uh, I don't know. No, I am. I have written stuff. I think you know, like you know. Uh, I know you guys get like kind of weird talking about like if someone's like, oh, so you're an artist. I don't know if you ever get like, uh, I draw comics, like you're, you kind of underplay it a bit, you know. But I know I, I started writing uh, a graphic novel called Savage Town, which is set in my, where, where I grew up in, uh, in Ireland. And around the same time, an editor at Marvel asked if I would write and draw this Nick Fury story through this anthology series. So I used that as a kind of opportunity to like really try and write proper scripts. And it gave me the kick in the arse I needed to finally get this graphic novel done. And I've done some stuff since. Um, so you know what this with the context of all this art cred stuff like you know now every writer likes to make fun of me for not crediting uh, uh, writers as much and I'm like you know or if I or or if I don't mention an artist they really rag on me like but I mean I opened that door myself um, but even like as a writer I mean for me it's 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 more about the art even uh, with Savage Town it was a friend of mine from Ireland who was an amazing cartoonist and nobody knew who he was and like I want to read a book that you've drawn. And nobody was able to offer him that opportunity than I was, because through image I'd done well at image with injection, so I, I just pitched pitched this graphic novel, and and they said yes, so that was great. Um, with the Deadpoolverse and Logan and Marvel, um, I was a big fan of Mike Henderson stuff, so I asked for him, and they were you know they they they, they hired him, and it was great because he just made me look so much better than than I am, you know, like I'm I. I know what I've done for for some writers, and I know what. Well, that's not fair actually, because I worked with a lot of the writers. But um, you know, the art is what to me sells the story. The story can be great, but a good bad artist can ruin it. But a good artist can actually make a terrible story better. Um, so I, that's that's how I like to operate. Write bad stories, get really good artists to make them better. <laughs> but um, but it's also, I mean, if I'm being honest. Part of, well, part of it is, 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 you know, so I've done so much stuff uh, and I'm really lucky to have done it. But uh, so what's the next thing or how am I going to branch out more? And for me, writing is just another way to get to making comics. So I wanted to try it. But also I knew 
you know, especially these days, if I just say, well, I said one wrong thing and nobody wanted me to draw anymore, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to, to have something on the side that I could do. Or even, you know, I think as a writer, you just have more autonomy over your career than artists do. So much is like, if you're getting an offer, do you want to do this? And you're like, sure. And they're like, oh, we got somebody else instead. Or we don't think you suit this thing. You're ended up cast on something and you don't really, you've no say in what you're going to do. And I figured if I could at least kind of get into writing, then worst case scenario, I could just draw my own stuff. You know, after having worked at Marvel for years and having built up a bit of a profile, I figured, you know, worst case, you know, I could just do my own stuff, you know. Do you, uh, so the, the uh, you say you did a Nick Fury thing in an anthology. Did you yeah. write full script for yourself or did you? I did, yeah. I wrote full, well, I, I, want, I didn't want the editor to be doing me a favor, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be like, there you go, pat me on the head. Good job, you write now. Um, so uh, I did, I wrote full scripts, except for one, which was a silent story. It was uh, uh, Nick Fury infiltrates his shield base and Black Widow realizes there's somebody intruding um, in the base. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't write a script for that. I did, I did my layouts first because I had an idea, but I wanted to do it all with no dialogue. Um, and I got paid for a script for that, which was great. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Wait, so did you, you got paid for layouts and for writing? <laughs> yep. Well, I think they, they, the editor just said, could you just write down what's happening in each, just so I know exactly what's happening. Right. But I mean, I remember that when the reviews came out, people were like going, oh God, it's like, there's no, the writing is terrible. But I'm like, writing doesn't mean, the amount of panel, panel the amount of captions is, doesn't equals writing, you know. Right. Um, and it was harder to do that story silent. If I, if I had dialogue in it, it would be easy to explain what was happening. It's actually harder to just get the story right. across with just, just uh, images. But um, that was a cool project because I, I tried to give myself a little challenge each. each. It was like, it was an anthology, um, but one story in every issue was a Nick Fury part. So I had to write basically a six part story that were self-contained short stories oh, and try to make it work as a, as a longer. You'd have story. a stinger every six pages. Or yeah, yeah, like basically. But it was cool. Like I, I, um, I, I really chest my arm. There's one six page story and I have a two page, double page spread uh, of like, it's like a dot of Nick Fury shooting and then a dot of the guy getting shot. It's just like a landscape. It's, it's, it's like 70% sky, you know? I remember when I was writing, I'm like, I said to the editor, look, I realize this is really take, take, uh, uh, language, uh, chancing my arm uh, to put a two page, double page spread of one moment in a six page story. But, um, but it worked because it compressed everything else so that it really, it was just cool. It was, it was cool to, what I liked about writing was I found that um, I, I do it around a visual moment, you know? Um, and I think the best comics writers are, are the ones who think visually it's, the guys who are like doing screenplays, the most boring stuff you can you can draw, like you know. I know. I assume whenever you guys are drawing, it's you know, it's the stuff that that really packs the punches when you have really good visuals to kind of hit those like moments. You're looking at me like I. No, we don't. just do terrible work. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, Scott, I don't, well, I don't know if there's if this is going to go anywhere, but. Uh, he's, he's, you're writing your current arc. I am writing, yeah. Right. Are you writing? Oh, excellent. Yeah. It's lovely, it's lovely work, man. I don't know if you remember, I did a variant for your first issue. That's right. Yeah, it yes. was really, yeah, yeah. It was really, 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 really like the book. Yeah, thank you. I might have bought, yeah, I might have bought your cover, Sorry. his cover for the... Yeah, it was like upside down. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Best cover Copperhead's ever had. <laughs> I get the joke. This is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why are you writing this last one? Uh, 
the regular writer, Jay Gerber. Yeah, I didn't have time. Okay. He asked me if I wanted to do it. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been co-plotting everything anyway. Yeah, but yeah. It, it doesn't matter if you work with a writer. Like, I have a friend of mine who wants to write, and he said, oh, well, I might get a writer to work with. I, was, I said to him, I was like, don't. Because if you do, everyone's just going to assume that the other person wrote it, and you just, like, helped a bit. You know? Like, you're better off just doing it yourself, because... If you did 90% of the work, regular people who pick up a book, they'll see it's co-done. Co they'll assume it's 50-50, or really 90 right to the writer and 10% you. So you might as well just do it, like, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting. I, I think everybody coming up... He's perking up now, isn't he? Uh, yeah, because we're talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> every, when everybody starts, you're doing your own stuff anyway, right? Yeah. So it, you don't have... You know, a writer buddy, you usually don't. So you're just doing your own stuff. You're writing your own stuff, you're drawing your own stuff, you're coding your own stuff. But you don't, you don't think of it as writing, though. You know, no, it's younger. Making exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I like it. It's a, I think it, it feels like I'm using the same muscles, just in different ways. Yeah, I, I was worried that when if I was writing, that what I really like is I like taking a script and making it work. You know, visually, like in the layouts and stuff, and it's, it's like solving a puzzle. Yes. And I really, really like that problem-solving part of it. And I was worried that if I write, that's going to be gone because I'm not. If I'm coming up from the start, I'm not going to have that. They want to figure it out. But then I realized the puzzle part just moves to earlier when you're trying to break it down and figure out how it works. So it's you're still solving the problem. You're just doing it differently. And then when you are doing layouts, if you're drawing it too, it just flows nice more easily into those moments, you know, it was, as an experiment it was great to do, but um, uh, yeah, I'm glad the thing I was worried about happening wasn't the case, it just, it just changed the nature of the, of the task a bit, but, but it feels like just a natural extension of just telling a story. Right, yeah, yeah, completely agree. Would either of you ever take time off, pur purposely take time off from drawing and just try to write for like six months? If somebody paid me to do it, I'd do it, sure. Sorry? Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to stop drawing. I love drawing too much, but like, um, uh, I, you know, the weird thing is, so I did the James Bond thing, and like, I think it was, sure, you can write it, but uh, you'll do the cover, right? Um, so I'm kind of using any type, any kind of um, uh, leverage that I have as an artist or cover artist to kind of like wrangle in more, more writing. That's what I'm trying to do now, like, um, but I wouldn't want to, eh. I don't know. No, I don't. No, I couldn't stop drawing. But I certainly would like writing for other artists. No problem. Like you know, I, I like the idea of like drawing injection and writing for other artists that don't have as much of a profile. Um, uh, not that, let's say, for example, Mike. Not that he doesn't have a, a good profile. Just uh, I knew like on a book like that at Marvel, he would kill it. Right. You know? um, and he did. Like I was dead right. Um, but uh, same with my friend from Ireland. He didn't have any opportunities. So if I, if I can like. If I can use whatever ever I have to help, so, the same way Warren helped me by doing by by, don't know why he picked me to do Moon Knight, but um, uh, I like that idea that I can like work with big writers and and write for smaller artists, and try to bring them. So up. so Warren wanted you on Moon Knight. I think so. I'm not sure. I, I've heard conflicting. Steve Wacker offered it to me, and he told me he was a little known British British writer. I was like, ah, who would that be? But uh, I realized it was Warren Ellis. I was like, for God's sake, that. that and he hadn't done comics in ages, so I couldn't believe it. But then I was talking to Eric Stevenson at a, 
uh, once, and he mentioned that like Warren, something along the lines of it sounded like Warren like uh, like picked me or asked for me. Maybe there was a list of guys, um, but I didn't even know he knew who I was at all. Like you know, um, but yeah, I'm sure he had a choice of whoever the hell he wanted. Right. You know, it's Warren Ellis for Christ's sake. Like, um, but yes, apparently he wanted to work with me, the Madman, and. Uh, I changed everything because I mean I'm, I'm not like automatically a better artist having worked with like when I started working with Warren but he's got this air of like genius that that you know this whiff of like an amazing creator and uh, any artist who gets to work with him gets gets a good whiff of that I was like yeah I'll def- like I'll take that yeah. there's artists he's worked with who I'm not a fan of at all I don't you know I I, I my, the couple of them I think I, I, I think their work sucks but everyone's like ooh you worked with Warren so I'm like yeah I'll take that you know. Total undeserved praise, you bet I'll take it. Well, going back, you want to call back uh, to the whole artist writer thing, do you think there's ever, you, you said Marvel probably gave him a list of artists. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's ever the other way around? Do you ever think they go to Chris Somney and, like, oh, here's a list of writers? No. No, I don't think so. Right. Bus. I know there's one editor at Marvel who said he wants to get me on a, a script by somebody, and <laughs> my answer to him was like, "Thanks." <laughs> like, if that happened, it'd be amazing. I don't know why you want that to happen. I mean, uh, I don't know why you think it should be me or anything. But you know, it depends on the editor, I'm sure. Right. You know, like some. So, I mean, the right editor would be your best champion in a, in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. It's always hard to know. You never know if you're doing something for an editor if they're you're just helping them out of a jam if they'll ever even appreciate it, and then you get to a stage where. I think it's weird when I started at Marvel. A lot of the guys who were there have left, uh, and I couldn't. I couldn't get on covers. I kept trying to get on covers, but they they wouldn't put me on covers. I wasn't a covers guy, and like I, I've done like a hundred, probably a hundred and fifty covers for Marvel now at this stage. But it was just trying to. It's it's like they, people put you in a box, and you have to try and break yourself out of that box because they would just always assume you're you're in that box. But I think um, the Jason Latour was taking over. Uh, Winter Soldier, and they needed like promo art, like, like, like that weekend, and um, so I think the editor knew I wanted to do covers, and she was in a bind, so she asked if I could get it done quick, and I did, and then she asked if I wanted to do the covers. It was like a mini series, and then when I had that done, I, I told uh, Stephen Wacker that I wanted to do covers on Venom. I was drawing Venom at the time, and he was like, "Oh well, you know, you're not, you haven't done covers, so I'm not really sure." I was like, "Actually, I have. I've done Winter Soldier." And he was like, "Oh, okay, great." And then I've been doing covers ever since. Yeah, it's so weird that they, that anyone, editor, publisher, anybody, would uh, look at a sequential artist and just be like, oh, that, that guy's not, that guy can't do covers. I think there are some who can't. I think there's some who, like, who do splash pages for covers, which I think suck. Uh, you know, but yeah, just maybe don't have a design sense or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. I think, I think that, that definitely can happen for sure. But, I mean, I'd still, like, you know, nine times out of ten, I'd prefer pick up a book where the person who draws it, you know. When I was doing Thunderbolts, I hated, maybe I should have mentioned the book, uh, when I when I didn't get to do my own covers, I, I, I was not a fan of of most of the covers that uh, that were done on my stuff. And it would suck because when I was doing, if I was doing like an interview for News, News Ram or something, they'll use the covers of the book right. to illustrate yeah. it. But, they don't, they don't know yeah, but you're talking about your art and there's none of your art in the piece, it's just somebody else's. Right. And, and yet I didn't like it. Um, but now I'm that guy, because now I'm doing covers for people who, who aren't doing covers of their own book. Right. So, fuck, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've become what I hate. 
already. That's, that's a level of success, I think. I think we found a title for the episode with Warren Ellis. <laughs> with Warren Ellis. Yeah, I'll well, take it. Yeah. And he wrote, the, he wrote the best 12 issues of any superhero comic ever. Is that the authority? Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Everyone's been basically writing more in those comics ever since, like, yeah. you know, it's mad. Yeah, that's one writer I would never uh, shit on. Not that I shit on writers in general, but that, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh... Well, even, yeah, like, but it's weird, like, Warren's superhero stuff is great, but then his crime stuff is great, and his sci-fi stuff is great, and, he, and he's just, he's so good at everything, like, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and, and I do think working with him is maybe a better artist, too, because he, especially with Moon Knight, Every issue was so different and balls out crazy that it forced me to like basically level up every single issue. Like I'd be on a title and then I'd move from like that to let's say Venom and I'd try to level up to another title. But with, with Warren it's, it's every issue I'm trying to level up, you know. It's great. And it's great because like sometimes I read the script and I'm like, what the hell is happening in this? But I have to figure it out and make it work and it just I just feel like I'm a better artist after it. Does he write uh, Marvel style or? No, full script. Full script. But it's not, everyone seems to think that he writes like, like the Alan Moore crazy description, right. but it's, it's to the point. It's like, guy opens the door, no dialogue. Guy smashes the guy through the face. It's just pretty, pretty close. But he paces it so well, you know? And he knows when to say things and when not to say things. That's what I liked with Moon Knight, the first issue. There's not much dialogue, but then he says one thing. I think he says, what is it? Uh, um, I'm the one you want to see what? I'm the one that, uh, I want you to see me coming, something like that. It was like, I'm the one that wants you to see me coming. And you know, when it was all built up to that, that, that last line, you're like, oh, that's deadly. You know? But he's not a writer, it needs to be like, at the effervescent fields upon which there lies the, you know, there's none of that crap. Like, right. Yeah, he doesn't feel like he needs to tell you what to put in every Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, like, there's, there's this, I think we talked before, and there's a specific thing where if he asks for a very specific thing, he wants me to do that. Otherwise, he kind of doesn't mind whatever I do. And there was uh, two pages in one of the first issues, the first issue of Moon Eye, where um, there's a scene where he goes down this uh, ladder, and you can see like the underground, and you can see where all, all these uh, uh, homeless people. And uh, so that was a very specific idea of his. But then the next panel, I'm oh, sorry, the previous page, there's a shot where you look down on his limo, and then you're looking down on him in the limo. Then he opens a case, and then he goes down into like so. It's kind of like down, 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 down. And then the next page was that. And everyone was like, oh, did Warren write that? And I was like, he wrote the second page, but the first page was, I mean, he wrote it as in panel one, you know right. what happens, but I'm the one who did the overall shot. I made it, I'm the one who made it kind of like go into the tunnel, then you're down the tunnel. And that, that I think for me, that's kind of shows how me and Warren work well together. Whereas if you want something specific, I'll do that. And, and I'll tweak things to kind of make it better in other places, you know? Fantastic. Did you have, okay. uh, uh, anybody have any questions? Yeah, he said Warren did that 12-issue run, but he didn't say who drew it. Who drew it? Good point. Uh, uh, Brian Hitch penciled it. Mark Farmer or Paul Neary? It's Paul Neary. Paul Neary inked it, and... Laura Depoy. Laura Depoy. Laura yeah. Martin. Yeah. Martin. <laughs> Colored it. I don't know who the editor was. You know who it is. He just wanted to rub it in his face. <laughs> I've never read it. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. I'll check it out, yeah. man. Savage. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's 12 issues of authority. Probably the best superhero comic of all time. Uh, you had a question back there, sir? No? Yeah? No? Um, could you guys tell us um, some of the examples of your work? Like what you've worked on? 
Sure. That would have been what you guys should have done at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Terrible, who, terrible. Who are you? <laughs> well, sorry, I'm Dick Shelley and I've uh, drawn uh, Deadpool, Moon Knight, uh, Thunderbolts, Venom um, at Marvel. And I draw a graphic novel series called Injection, uh, written by Warren Ellis at, uh, for Image Comics. And I've written a graphic novel called Savage Town for Image Comics as well. Uh, yeah, I, um, I have a creator own series of Image called uh, Copperhead. Work for DC, Superman, Batgirl, Batwoman, other things. And you? Uh, I work mostly in indie comics. I did a book called Doc Unknown that was collected by Dark Horse. I did a couple issues of Phantom. Uh, my resume is not as impressive. Should have started with you then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, uh, if I may, yeah. uh, can we also plug you? you the Marvel Two and One. That's the big. That's your big. Thing oh yeah. Right now, it's Marvel Two. And one. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I just I just drew uh, a Marvel Two and One uh, annual. Came out last Wednesday. Written by Chip Zarsky and colored by Jordi Belair. Uh, it's really good. Um, I can say that I have no personal investment in it, but I uh, know it was really. Uh, it's really really good annual. Um, that's the whole. Yeah, kind of easing the Fantastic Four back into Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. it's, it's, it is basically a Fantastic Four story. Right. So it's, I've never drawn those characters ever. I've never. Even, care to toss about any of them. Um, but I got to draw the thing, and that was a lot of fun. I, I hate drawing. I, I mean, I want it's, to it's, hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I had to take a day and just kind of like, I, I looked through all the issues of Jim John the drawn of two and one, and I basically just copied them, just trying to see how he kind of like, you know, the how he moved and stuff like that. Um, but once I got into it, I, I really liked drawing them. Because if you don't do it right, it kind of looks like a soccer ball or something. Like if you don't do the patterns right, yeah, I didn't. I didn't do the patterns right, um, but I kept the shapes uh, consistent. If you know what I mean. Um, but uh, I, I think as long as to me, it was like drawing Hellboy. It's once you kind of get that shape of the head and the brow right, and I gave him kind of like a flappy puppet job. Um, you know, I wasn't trying to draw a real man who was a rock monster. I think that's where people fall fall down. It's and when anybody ever do, it always looks like some kind of like melted. Abomination, you know, it never looks quite right. If you have to, I think you have to lean into things that make it uh, in a cartoon, even if you're drawing realistically, you know. Right. Um, but once I got my head around it, I started really liking it. And he's he's actually not even in it that much, so that's my only complaint about it. I was like, I wish there was more thing in it. Well, what? Uh, so what, that's, what, that's the, that's the yeah, I wish there was more thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think I was tweeting about going like, uh, um, uh, you know, I draw. Uh, you can see my doom, uh, my read, my my d the thing. <laughs> you know. uh, so what what did you what did you grow up reading? Then you said you didn't really care about. Did you not care about superhero comics? Did you not? No, no, I actually did. I love superhero comics. Um, people people from where I'm from generally would grow up on comics on like 2000 AD and sci-fi stuff. I didn't though. I was way too lame. I uh, I love the Spider-Man cartoon, the X-Men cartoon, the Batman cartoon. So. Um, uh, but it was hard to get my hands on American comics because I'm from like, you know, where sheep and cows are hanging out. Um, not a lot of comic book stores there. So, um, but I managed to get a local news agent to order in X Men. But I, I just thought there was one X Men comic. I didn't know there was like X Factor and all these things. So, so I was reading like part two of a crossover, and then the next issue would be out, be part four. But like, what happened to part three? Um, that was it. Was very confusing. But I was so I was so into it though. Yeah. Um, but also Panini uh, is a company in, the, in, in Europe. They started reprinting a lot of uh, Marvel and 
sorry, a lot of Spider-Man and X-Men stuff that from years beforehand. So I was reading the end of the Clone Saga in American comics and reading the beginning of it from like five years previous in the reprints. So I slowly managed to like close the gap of knowledge. But um, uh, yeah, it was, Sp- it was Spider-Man and X-Men that I grew up reading. Like. Yeah, that's kind of the gateway drug, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, there was, um, it was not too bad. The local library had Asterix. I used to read a lot of Asterix as well. That was great. I could just, just go to the library and just read those gorgeous volumes. Like, but um, uh, yeah, that's... And then, then when I went to secondary school, I met some guys who had, like, um, they had uh, uh, Daredevil Man Without Fear, um, Watchmen, all that stuff. It was a guy who was a little bit older than me. He got me all those graphic novels I didn't know about. Preacher was a big thing for me as well. When I found out there was an Irish guy, making American comics, that blew my mind. So um, I got right on the Preacher and uh, uh, I've been I've been swearing like crazy ever since. I have a Steve Dillon story. Uh, well, I never met him, but I have a story. So one year at Free Combo Day, uh, a guy who used to own a chain of stores in Arizona flew him out just for Free Combo Day. So I don't know if he was already in the States doing something, I don't know yeah. what it was. But uh, uh, he sent me a text Later, the store owner sent me a text later that day, and he said, uh, "Hey, you need to come over to this bar because I got a keg of Guinness just for Steve, and I don't even think he can finish it by himself. So if you yeah. want to come drink with me and Steve Dillon, and I was huge and you know a big preacher fan, yeah. so I was like super excited. So I drove like Phoenix is very spread out, so I drove like the 30 miles to go over there, and as I parked my car and was walking in the door." Uh, my wife at the time texted me and said, your, your son broke his arm. You gotta greet us at the ER. And I mean, I had my hand on the door. And I was like, and I was really into Preacher at that moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I never met like another comic pro at that point either or anything like that. So I was like, this sucks, the kids ruined it. <laughs> that should be the title. <laughs> um, I, I was doing covers for uh, His Run and Punisher there a couple of years ago. And um, I was really happy because the covers, and, and he was really nice to me on Twitter, said that, that they look great. But like, I grew up reading Preacher with the Glenn Fabry covers. Yeah. You know, the fact that I was doing covers for, for a Steve Dillon book was amazing. And he was at New York Comic Con like, the year before last, and I didn't have the stones to go up and say hi to him, and he like, died the following week. So like, I really, really remember that. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, that's how, that's how these things are, right? Like, whenever, whenever, I know when I'm geared up to go to a show, on Twitter, you're always like, yeah, let's grab a beer or let's hang out or whatever. And then I might see the person I tweeted to walk past my table. And I'm not even going to say hi. Like, yeah, I just yeah. Put my head down. And it's a weird. It's a weird. The conventions are weird. Mm. Even here, there's so many people here who I, I love their stuff and I've known for years. And uh, I know I'm probably not going to see half of them properly. You know, if you're lucky, like you get to really hang out with like half of them. Right. So, you, did you fly in just for the show, or you? Okay. Yeah. No, I, 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 I came to Heroes in 2010 when I was doing 28 Days Later, and I, had a, I loved it. Uh, I was in America anyway, so I was like, ah, sure, I'll just go to this thing. And then the following year, I went. I had broken into Marvel. It was actually this show was how I broke into Marvel. Um, Jeff Parker uh, liked my stuff, and he said, like, um, if you want, I can send your stuff to Marvel. And I was, I got pure Irish about it. I was like, ah, no, no, I couldn't expect you to do that now. There's gonna be terrible inconvenience. No, 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 no. And he was like, that's not an inconvenience. I'm, I'm offering. I was like, no, 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 no. I wouldn't want to be a hardship upon you. Or I just turned into a diddly eye, like that. You know, I was a hundred year old man straight away. But then um, a, a Canadian friend there, and he was just like, shut the f- up and just say yes, please. So I did, and um, they needed a two issue fill in on Thunderbolts. 
which I can say now, I used to always say Thunderbolts. Um, uh, so I've learned to say Thunderbolts. But um, that's, how, that's how I broke in. Like, um, but yeah, I went back the following year and I loved it. It's just, there's always something happening during the summer for the last few years. It was too close. It was either just before or just after Heroes, I couldn't manage it. But uh, this year, I'm like, going to Heroes. Cool. You had a question, sir? Uh, sir. Sounds like you got some very good early guidance from your, your family on how to drink beer. Uh, did like, you get the same anti-advice <laughs> on getting into comics? It's like, it's got great advice on beer. Um, um, uh, no, because nobody really, uh, growing up in like the west of Ireland, saying that I wanted to draw comics, I might as well have said I want to be an astronaut. We're like, uh-huh, good luck with that, Shelby. Um, but I had a very supportive mum. Uh, she always, always pushed, like she always said, just do whatever makes you happy. Um, and no matter what, I mean, uh, I mean, I, you know, I have, I've, I've had, I've worked, I've been a waiter. I used to, I delivered coal for seven years. Like I've, I've, you know, I worked to get by, but I knew what my, my dream to, was. Um, and I had a very support, supportive mother who always just pushed me to do what I wanted. And I got enough experience going to like shows and the, I had, to, I had to go to like England and America to meet people who were doing this to learn the best way to apply for these kind of positions and work in a portfolio. But uh, um, it's, it's weird in Ireland, like nobody, there's not a lot of people who work, who do art for a living in Ireland, you know, the way that I would. So I'm very, very, very lucky. But, um, but thankfully I had good friends and good family who, who supported me, you know. You got anything else? Uh, no, I do. I four I, things. Uh, yeah, oh, my extensive show notes. The last thing I had, I was going to have you defend Irish whiskey, but you seem to be a cider guy. I, I, I like whiskey. Yeah, yeah, Jameson's. Okay, why? <laughs> why would your whiskey is too sweet here? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it's it's bull crap. Oh. Um, Oh. I went to the Jameson Distillery uh, in Ireland, and they they took they take you through and they have you taste different stuff. And I've had whiskey here; and it's fine. But it was weird tasting it right next, just like you know, just literally just a taste. And it was just so it felt so kind of artificial, you know. Whereas I mean, like we've been doing it for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So you guys, with respect, you guys find the fast way to make things happen. And not necessarily the best way. I think we're done. <laughs> uh, Scott, how would you rate that? Um, do you want to do you want to rate your terrible beer? Yeah. How yeah, you, I do want to rate it. How is your tropic uh, Lenny, Lenny Boy Tropicalis it White not, India Pale? It was the worst thing I've had on this show, but it was bad. <laughs> well, one and a half. Ooh. That's pretty bad. Yeah. What about the uh, what about that beer from Atlanta? Honrolo. Honrolo. Uh, it was fine. Yeah, it was acceptable. It was fun. Probably closer to three and a half than three. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. I'll do a I'll do a three on the Honrolo. But this, uh, yeah, man, you're awesome. Uh, and this uh, Pony Saurus. That's a terrible name. I mean, I love it. Really? Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Uh, the Pony Source uh, Scottish Ale. Uh, I really like it. It's really good. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, so we have a one through five rating system. Oh, okay, because it sounded pretty bad, but it's not too bad what you were saying. It's not the worst. Okay. I'd probably give this a three. It's grand. Yeah. I wouldn't love it like, but I'd drink it if I had to love it. Which I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. I think we got anything you want to talk about that you didn't talk about? Um, just my controversial views on race and religion. <laughs> you got those in there. That's our other time. Okay. Um, what's your, where can people follow your work? Oh, um, they can find my work on Twitter. It's just Declan Shelby, all one word. Same on Instagram and uh, Twitch. I've been doing streaming on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. Let's touch base on that because we, uh, well, I mean, I say we, like Scott and I are married, but both of us individually have Twitch accounts and we messed with it, but it just, I don't, I can do a Facebook Live video and get 100 times the eyes on it. That's interesting, yeah, because uh, I, I did on Instagram first, but the thing is, I couldn't look at my desktop while I was streaming from my phone, so I couldn't see what people were saying. And I kind of like the chat, because I clearly I like to talk. Um, so, we <laughs> should be silent. But um, I, uh, uh, but I, but I, I like that element of it. So, but so I could do it with Twitch, and it seems like there's like the only other guys really doing it is like Jim Lee and Eric Canetti, and they've a crazy following. So there seems to be a niche there. But I'd say I only really have like fourteen people watching at a time. I mean, I don't. Know if yeah, I mean it's. I mean, if you're going to be working anyways, mm. and you do like the interact, like I do like the interaction. So. Yeah. When I do stream, it is, you know, I usually have my laptop set up so I can see the feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I'm working on my tablet or whatever, but I like it. I like the, um, there's not a lot of studios now. Like, I don't work in a studio. I wish I did. So for me, something like that, even if I only have one, even if Scott's the only person interacting with me on it or, yeah. you know, whatever, it's still, it's like you're hanging out with somebody while you work and you're shooting the shit. Uh, you know, it makes the uh, it makes sitting in your garage working uh, more bearable. Do, do, do you do you do Skype calls and stuff with people? I used to, yeah. I used to talk. Yeah. About, yeah. I used to talk on Skype a lot. But I don't do it anymore. It's like I, I can't concentrate as much. No, we do. Uh, sometimes Scott and I'll do Google Hangouts, mm. but I don't. Yeah, because I know for a while there was a group of pros who had like a rotating. You know, they would do like three or four people at once on yeah. a Skype Hangout. Um, I don't know if my internet can even support that kind of action. Uh, but I do like that. I, I, I wish I I always wanted to work in the studio environment. I mean, I got into comics, you know, heavily right before Image hit. So like, yeah. my dream is to, my dream was and probably still is to work in extreme studios. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, homage or whatever they change it to after that. You know, like yeah. that to get up, put pants on, get in a car, drive to work, and or just draw comics all day. Not even put pants on. Yeah, yeah you know. I started reading that. Have you read that Wildstorm book? Uh, the guy he, he kick-started a book about Wildstorm about the Great War. I just started reading it, but there's a story about how like you know they all just started buying sports cars, and J. Scott Campbell was like, "Ah, oh, I'm not going to do that." And then like a week later, he drove in the sports car. Ever like they all had sports cars, and of course, it sounds crazy. Yeah, uh, there's a I don't know. It's not my place to tell the story, but I I heard a story from uh, I was lucky enough one time to be at a dinner with all seven Image founders. Oh wow! And they were talking about essentially what they did with their sports cars in like 1993 or whatever. Oh it was essentially like, oh, I'll just get another one. You know, like, oh, I'll get another Viper tomorrow. I'll just swing by and pick up another Viper. Um, you know, the, the 90s were nuts. The stories about colorists buying houses on royalty checks. Yeah. Good Lord. That's, yeah. Why, that's, that's what hurts so much about Patriots, and that's why I'm so buttered about Patriots now. Because well, it's similar because people were buying comics that they weren't actually reading. They were just... Speaking of page rates, it may have actually been uh, 
something that you link to on Twitter, but um, there's that sort of a database for people to go and put in their page rates. And yeah, page it's, rate I don't know, the, they just changed, it, it used to be it was fair, fairpagerates.com, yeah. but now there's a new site, it's going to be a website, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, they, just, they just released, or they... It's like Comic Resources, I think it's called. Yeah. Com so they just yeah. they just sent out their they just sent out their thing for. Uh, I actually I talked to the person behind it because um, I think I think that it's a flawed form because it puts image there right next to Marvel and DC and the thing is and it's a, it's a thing a lot of fans and creators get get confused about image are not a publisher the way that Marvel and DC are I said this in front of Eric once and I'm not sure if he liked it but image are a glorified printer effectively they're a curated printer. You hand them the book, they print it. You know? Yeah, they're like an art house. Yeah, they yeah. don't like so. You some guys people are responsible for all the trade dress and everything, like and all the marketing. And uh, everything yeah. is on you. Uh, well, I mean, they, well, they know they, the marketing, they market the and stuff. But as regards to the content of the book, it's all you. Um, so it isn't fair to say that they pay a page rate. They may do pay some people advances, but that's against what the profit of the right. book will be. So, and it's so I, I'll talk, I'm going to talk to the, the lady um, uh, more after I get back from Heroes. But I think that really it really warps the perception of of, of what Image is, and, and it sucks because you know Image are not we're I'm not an employee of Image, you know. But if but I am if I'm working for Marvel or DC or whatnot. So to have that information kind of in with the same information of like a work for hire job, I think it really messes up right. the, uh, the and it's going to skew it's going to skew page rates because. Yeah, Fiona, so Fiona Staples is making her, if you broke down her page, what yeah. she would make per page, as opposed to someone whose book is on the borderline of being canceled an image. Yeah. I mean, well, even, also, if take, even if you take the middle ground of that, it's, it's not. What it's can so also suck is if, say, I as a writer, I'm, I'm the project manager of this thing, and I pay you 20 bucks a page, which is. But let's just say that's what I'm doing, He's and you, and you think, you think that that you're being paid twenty dollars from Image, and then you put that in in your form, which is not the case, you know. Some creators actually bone other creators over. All you know happens, not all the time, but it does happen. Um, but it's again, it's it's a confusion of what Image Comics is and who you're who you're working. Like I know some like colorists who get really upset that they're they're not credited in their Image books. That's not Image's fault. That is the people who you're working with, you know. Th those, that's that's the tough thing is I, I just if you're going to hold bad publishers to account you can't lump in misconceptions and inaccuracies along with it otherwise that information is totally bogus you know same with like publishers who you know give you maybe fifty percent of the property but you know you get a I, I think I think that form needs a separate creator owned and work for hire form. You know, yeah, how much, I mean, so if there's a creator owned one, it's like, how much percentage of your property do you own? So I'd be like, I own like 50%, uh, or, um, and I get a, uh, do you get a page rate? Another one would be like, if I get like 25%, and I get a terrible page rate. Like, those things would be more quantifiable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a form like that needs, probably needs to be put together by someone who's worked in the industry, because there is. I mean, there are some gigs that you take where you'll take a, a lower page rate because you have ownership, or you'll take a higher page rate for less ownership, or something like that. Yeah, like I, pay, I got paid more than my Marvel rate at a Dark Horse job, but I've also heard of Dark Horse jobs that are like it's like fifty dollars a page. The difference being one's a licensed thing, one is a creator-owned thing. So I think there's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not just if you're going to deal with page rates specifically, you need to just deal with that. Yeah, like my my Dark Horse presents page rate was not good, but I own 
50 percent of yeah. it so that's which that's is a fair trade-off that's fine yeah. Well, you know, yeah i mean the fact they even pay a page rate yeah for ownership stuff you know yeah but i mean I, I, i'm all for more transparency for sure you know there was there was a uh, i was talking to a creator once a new artist and uh, i asked said oh i hope you're getting a page rate and they said oh well you know i can't really talk about that and i asked what why can't you talk about it and they said oh well you know the publishers wouldn't like that like who benefits from that exactly? You know, it's not you. You know, if if, if that like one of the first things I ever meet an artist, not the first thing, because that would be a ticklish thing to do. But in general, I'd ask what their page rate is because, and and if they want to know, I'll tell them mine. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be transparent about this stuff because you can't negotiate anything or know your value unless you know what you know. Okay, so like Sean Murphy's page rate is not comparable to whatever I would be getting. You know, that guy's another level. Um, but somebody's just starting on, say, a boom book wouldn't be comparable to me. But at least knowing what the goalposts are helps. You know. Yeah, and it's yeah. I think all I think everyone should talk about what their page rates are. Like I took over, I did the last three issues of a Phantom miniseries a couple of years ago, and they offered me a page rate, and I was just happy to be drawn the Phantom and you know whatever. And then uh, they wanted a super rush and all this stuff, and so then I just emailed the I emailed the other artist, Prince Gunover, and I said, what? What are they paying you to draw the first issue? And I got his page rate, which was more than my page rate. It was more than they offered me. And I said, well, if you want me to turn this book around in two weeks, I need, well, at least what you were paying, you yeah. know, brand or whatever. So, that's yeah. Good. Yeah. But that's it, you wouldn't have got it if you hadn't pushed, you know? No, I mean, I would have, I would have taken the gig no matter what, but it doesn't hurt to ask, I guess, mm. or to know. And it still wasn't great, I mean, yeah, yeah, but it was at least it was, yeah, at least it was better than what you were. Yeah, getting on. yeah, yeah. No, that more transparency. That stuff. Def- I mean, you don't need to be putting it online or anything. But like, I definitely think it's good for, right. especially a good show like this with so many artists like talking about like, what did you get for this and how was that and you know, yeah, um, it's important because we get walked all over otherwise. Like, yeah, solidarity. Ooh, Ooh. that's a whole other so, show, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> we don't have time for that. Uh, but yes. Um, all right. So you, uh, you already gave your social media. Yes. Info. Um, I feel like we wrapped the show up like twenty minutes ago. Um, you can follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter at Scotty God. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Cody. On Instagram, it's Ryan Cody seventy five. Because some jerk had my name. Uh, and you can go to TikTok. seventy four other Ryan Codys too. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, go to tickshow.com. You can uh, listen to all the past episodes. Uh, we have some merch on there. We have a bunch of other stuff. Uh, if you swing by our tables, where are we at? 820? 820-ish. 820 and 821 in Artist Alley. We have some uh Gentleman shot glasses. Um, we have some comics, too. Where we do, comics. do I get one of those, like, yeah, like no, I got one as a guest? Yeah. 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 Just yeah. Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, uh, that comes at 909? At 909, yeah. Yeah, alright, so come say hi. Uh, thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for one of those. Oh, do you want the other three? I don't drink. Uh... Ah, yeah, sure, I'll take. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I hope that was not okay. Cool. Sorry, I'm just throwing cans at you. Oh, great, man. We were a little on We come in pieces. We come in pieces.
Just fine. Once we 